good morning. Come on, who's excited to be worshiping with your church family this morning? You excited to be with your church family? Man, it's so good to see you guys. Thank you so much for being here, hanging out with us today. I want to welcome everybody watching online on our Ashland campus as well. Thank you guys so much for being here. Christmas is in the air. How many of you love Christmas? Come on, you love Christmas? Oh, five of us, okay, that's great. Uh, here's my gift list, in a few case you want it. I mean, we love Christmas, my wife loves Christmas. I think I married Mrs. Like Santa Claus, you know, Mrs. Christmas. It's one of our favorite times of the year. We just absolutely love Christmas, and until January. January, most people hate Christmas because you get your credit card statement, you know what I'm saying? And he's like, Can, I can't believe we spent this much money on gifts again, and last year we said we weren't gonna do this. And so, anyway, we love this time. We love the Christmas season. It's one of the best times to be a blessing to people. Like this this is the time that you get to get be generous and you bless people around you, which is always good to bless people. And so if you're visiting with us, if this is your first time here or first time in a long time, you know this as a regular tender. We've done this almost since the day we started this church 15 years ago. Is that at, in this time of the year in December, we do what's called a year-end offering. Now, what is an offering? Just really quick. An offering is a free will gift. It's a choice that you get before God and you pray. It's above and beyond your tithe. It's an offering. When you get an offering to the Lord, you get to designate an offering. You get to do whatever you want with an offering as the Lord leads and guides and directs you. And so this year, that's what we do as a church. Every time this year, we do a year in offering, and we're so excited. You'll hear more about it, but we have some local partners we're partnering with. Uh, we have a local uh, medical debt that we're going to be paying off like we did the last two years. That's awesome. Last year they sent a letter to all the families that, that we paid off their medical debt and they got a letter on behalf of Better Life Church that paid off your debt. Is that not amazing that we're able to do that right here in our backyard? Uh, church planning, uh, some things are coming up, really excited about it, expansion of the ministry at Better Life Church. There's so many things. And if we continue on the trajectory that we are right now, over the last 24 months, it's just been amazing as the church has begun to grow, which is a good thing, right? I mean, there may be time in the near future that we may have to add on some space to get some space. And so really excited about what the Lord has. And so I've said this from day one. You can ask anybody who's been here since day one. Here's what I only think I ask you to do. Go home and pray and listen to Jesus and do whatever he tells you to do. If he tells you not to give, don't give. Don't give at all. This, this, this is the offering. This is between you and the Lord. If the Lord tells you to do something, then you just be obedient and you do whatever the Lord tells you to do. And on December the 17th, we have a couple weeks, that's when we'll take in our year-end offering and we'll be able to bless organizations, missionaries. I'm really excited about it this year. And so listen, just go home and pray. Listen to Jesus. Do what he tells you to do. And uh, we're gonna have a really, really good time. So grab your Bible. Go to Matthew chapter 2. We're in this brand new series called The Gift. It's the Christmas series. Uh, last year, I don't know if you remember this, but we canceled our Christmas services. Y'all remember that? Oh my goodness. I was so upset. I was like, there's no way. And you gotta understand, I'm kind of like from a weird, difficult, like not difficult, I'm like a weird breed of people. Like I'm the kind of guy that loves to get out and drive in the snow. You know what I'm saying? Like give me four to six inches of snow, turn me loose in a truck and let's go. Let's, uh, like some people, like if it rains, if there's fog, like I just can't go. You know, and so I got out at five o'clock on our Friday night service last year at time we were supposed to have it. And I drove around Round County and I was driving up, you know, through every, you know, nook and cranny. You want to say that? I don't know what a cranny is, but that's what I was driving through. And I was just looking going, could we have had church? I was trying to validate to make sure that we did the right thing and there's some ice somewhere and, you know, all this stuff. And so listen, just pray for me. I'm kind of weird that way. I love getting out and driving. Like, I love the snow. Like, I hope it snows like Monday through Thursday, clear up so we can have church on Sunday. You know what I'm saying? As long as it don't snow on Saturday, we are good to go because we love worshiping with our church family. And so last year we did what's called the cast of Christmas. 
And you remember this, we took the nativity scene and we talked about the different characters in the nativity scene. You know what I'm talking about. Like, you know, like your grandma or your great grandma, she has that porcelain, you know, nativity scene at home. Like when you're a little kid, when you go to great grandma or granny's house and she says, if you touch this and break it, grandma's going to kill you. You know what I'm saying? Like you don't touch granny's porcelain nativity scene. And it looks something like this. So right here, this is a cast of Christmas nativity scene. And so you got like everything in place, baby Jesus and Mary and Joseph. We talked about them. You got like, you know, the shepherd. We, we've never done a, a message on the animals though. So maybe next Christmas, we're gonna do one on the animals and they're the star just chilling, hanging out. I love the little pigeon, the little dove, like, oh, little dove like you're on granny's uh, uh, nativity scene. But we didn't get to talk about the wise men. And so the wise men is what I was gonna talk about that time and talk about how do they get there, who was the wise men, all this stuff. And so this year to redeem that, we have dedicated this entire series to the wise men. And so this is gonna be a great series. I'm telling you, you don't wanna miss it. And just a spoiler alert real quick, and I said this last year, but the fact is the wise men wasn't there when Jesus was born. Oh, I know, I know, it's a shocker. Like, Granny, I've gotta go tell Granny, you gotta move those. Wise men wasn't there. And we put the wise men there, right? We seen we three kings of Orient are, and, you know, and all this stuff. But the wise men were not there. How do we know that? Well, we know that somewhere between when Jesus was six weeks old to two years old. That's when the wise men showed up. They were not there the night that Jesus was born. And there's evidence of that when we look through the scripture, but they were not like there that night. So that didn't mean they didn't show up. They came, just not the night that Jesus was born. So hey, it's fine. We can leave them in the nativity scenes. They look good if they're in the Christmas play. You look good if you're one of the wise men. But the reality is they were not there. So who are they? Where are they from? We're gonna look at all that in this series. But today I really wanna focus on the gifts that they brought to baby Jesus. So Matthew chapter two. We're gonna start in verse one here and we're gonna walk through this together. So if you're ready to get started, so let's go. All right, here we go, verse one. Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea during the reign of King Herod. About that time, some of the wise men from the eastern lands arrived to Jerusalem asking, and here's what they said, where is the newborn king of the Jews? For we saw his star rose and we've come to worship him. Now King Herod was deeply disturbed, wouldn't you be? You're the king of the land and someone comes and says, oh, nice to meet you, but where's the new king? I wanna see this new king. You would be upset too. And so was everyone in Jerusalem, verse four. He called a meeting to the leading priests, the teachers of the law, the religious people, and he says, where's the Messiah supposed to be born? See, even he knew that someday a king would be born. He knew where's this Messiah to be born. So the priest said in verse five, in Bethlehem. Everyone knows that, but this is what the prophet wrote, and he quotes what the Old Testament says. And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not least among the ruling cities of Judah. For a ruler, a king, will come from you and will be the shepherd of my people Israel. And then Herod called a private meeting. He's in his chambers right here, kicks everybody out, and brings in the wise men, and he learned from them the time that the star first appeared. Verse eight, and then he told them, go to Bethlehem, search carefully for the child, and when you find him, come back and tell me so that I can go and worship him too. That is a lie. He wanted to kill Jesus. And we know that, we find that at the end of his story, of Herod's story, that's what he tried to do. Verse 10, and when they saw the star, it says here, they were filled with joy, and they entered the house, because the star led them to where Jesus was. They saw the child with his mother, Mary, and they bowed down and they worshiped him and then they opened up their treasure chest and they gave him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Now that's what we're gonna focus on in the next few weeks, but real quick, 
when you look at this text here, I want you to know, don't be like Holiday Herald this year. Herod just opposed Jesus. Don't be opposing Jesus this Christmas season. Some of you are like, man, I don't know about this Jesus thing, and I'm glad you're here, but I'm gonna encourage you to open up your heart. Herod didn't. But don't also be like the priests. They dismissed Jesus. They should have been the ones that are going, you saw a star, you heard about it? Come on, we gotta rally up the troops. We gotta go to Bethlehem. Let's see if this is true. They were the ones waiting for the Messiah to be born. And watch this, they dismissed Jesus. And that would be most of us if we're not careful. We're gonna go to crazy family houses. You're gonna be stretched thin. You're gonna be arguing whose house to go to first. You didn't get what you want for Christmas. Who burnt, you know, the casserole and all that stuff. And who's the new girlfriend that Uncle Johnny's bringing, to, you know, and you've got all that stuff going on. And what happens is we get so busy in the season that we will dismiss Jesus. I pray that this be the Christmas series season that you don't do that. Be like the wise men, they worshiped Jesus. How did they do that? They bowed down and worshiped him, and then they gave him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And that's what we're gonna focus on. Now, if you've had a child before, you know that when you have your first kid, you get this thing called a baby shower, and it's like a birthday and Christmas party all in the one, if you know what I'm talking about. Like, you go through and you pick out what you want. This is your first child, and you're going reading all the reviews, and you go through and you look at the stroller, and you can't have the cheap stroller. You gotta get the best of the best stroller. Like, when my wife and I, we went through all this stuff as our first kid, we're excited. You know, we're just so excited about this. We went through all the strollers. We got, like, the best stroller. It has, like, airbags on it. Like, if the kid falls over, the airbag just picks them right back up. And, you know, we got the pack and play that's, like, Electronic, like if you put the kid in, it lifts the kid up and puts him over in the bed. For, I mean, it's just like you gotta get the best of the best. That's what happens when you have your first kid. And then your second kid comes along and you're like, we're gonna have a baby shower. And some people's like, well, don't you still have some hand-me-downs? Don't you still, yeah, yeah, yeah. But we, you know, you put a whole list. By the third kid, people's like, you mean you had a third one? We're praying for you. That's the gift that you need is prayer. You have four or five kids, they begin giving you cards to doctors that you can go in contact that can fix that for you. Like, I mean, like people forget that. When it comes to your fourth kid, all you need is diapers, uh, 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 some wipes, and one of those things that can pull the snot out of your baby's nose. You give me that, I don't need nothing else. Keep your gifts, okay? That's all you need in a teething ring, right? My wife and I, we, bra we blamed everything on teething. Like when the kids ate, crying, ah, oh, they're teething. Get them some teething. <laughs> like everything you blame when it comes. I doubt any of you got the gift of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Like, I, I'm sure that, I know your baby is the baby, but when your baby was born, no one brought them gold. Could you imagine getting a bar of gold, you, your baby's coming, and somebody just brings you gold. Like, this like, man, I know he's special, but this special? Like, these guys brought them gold. Now listen, there's significant value in these gifts, and this is how we know, because when Mary and Joseph went to the temple to offer up a sacrifice, an offering for the baby, Jesus, they gave a peasant's gift which shows that Mary and Jesus was very, 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 very impoverished. Now, if they already had gold, frankincense, and myrrh, their whole status would have changed and their gift to the temple would have been different. So we know that they didn't get received this gift in the first six weeks of the birth of Jesus. And so now here you have gold, frankincense, and myrrh. There's a, there's a reason you get gold if you give a gift. They said, we've come to worship the newborn king. Why? Because the gift of gold is a gift you give to a king. It's, it's royalty. There's no greater commodity. Like this is the best of the best thing. If you can bring gold, you're saying this is a, a king, a ruler. This is like the highest level. Like it's unbelievable. They knew that he was to be a king, so they brought him this gift of gold. Now I'm gonna, I'm gonna read some Old Testament passages to, to, to solidify this kingship of Jesus. 
At this time of year, most people are going to read Isaiah chapter 9. Somewhere in the next 30 days, they will read this verse right here. And Isaiah 9 says this, verse 6, For a child is born to us, a son is given to us. Man, I wish I could spend the entire series on that verse. A child is born, which speaks of his humanity, but a son is given from God, which speaks of his deity. That he was 100% God and 100% man. Like this, that one statement right there is so rich and so much value. The government will rest on his shoulders, which means if the government is on you, then you are ruling. He will be called, and here's what most people read, right? A wonderful counselor, mighty God, an everlasting father. He will be the prince of peace, and his government and its peace will never end. He will rule because he will be a king with fairness and justice for the throne of his ancestor David for all eternity. And then I love this verse. This is the passion, the passionate commitment. Your translation may say zeal, but the zeal and the passionate commitment of the Lord's heavenly armies and everything at God's disposal will make this happen, a.k.a. hell will not be able to stop Jesus from being born. God will send his son, his passionate zeal commitment will make it happen, and folks, we know that it did. Zechariah 9, I love this. It says, rejoice, O people of Zion. Shout in triumph, O people of Jerusalem. Look, your king is coming. That's so powerful. His righteousness and victorious, yet he is humble, riding on a donkey. I mean, riding on a donkey's colt. When do we see that happen? So if you're a little kid and you've been told this your whole life, that your king will be coming into Jerusalem, riding on a donkey's colt, and then on Palm Sunday, they stand there and they wave their palms, singing Hosanna to the highest, and here comes King Jesus riding on Palm Sunday on a donkey, on a colt. Do you see how accurate the prophecies were? And we'll get more into that as we talk about this in this series. So he says, you will have a king who is coming to you. Jeremiah 23, 5 says this, for this time is coming, says the Lord, when I will raise up, I will raise up a righteous descendant from King David's line, and he will be a king who rules with wisdom. He will do what is just right throughout the land. These wise men knew that these prophecies, how? We'll talk about that later as well. They knew that this king were to be born. They just didn't know exactly the location until they asked, where is this child in Bethlehem? So this is fascinating. And so most people said, but Jesus really never claimed to be a king. Well, we find something very interesting. When Jesus is brought before Pilate and he's being silenced and he's not saying anything, I want you to listen to what Pilate asked him in Matthew 27, 11, right before he's crucified. He said, the Roman governor says this, are you the king? of the Jews. 33 years before this, wise men came from the east and said, where's the king of the Jews? 33 years afterwards, now Pilate says, are you really him? Are you the king of the Jews? And then Jesus responds, look what he says. He says, you have said it, which means yes, I am. He claimed to be the king that the Old Testament had prophesied all the way up to this moment. Now, if you've been with us on our Wednesday nights, we've been going through the book of Revelation, the end times, and we, in the last series, we talked through the book of Revelation, the first two, three chapters there, and it's been a great time. And I'm just, listen, we know at the end, at the end, like I don't know when the time everything's gonna happen, but I read the end of the book, and the end of the book says we win. And my prayer for you is that you're on the winning team and how do you do that? You put your faith and trust in Jesus and repent of your sin 
And this is what it says about our king. See, they thought Jesus was gonna come as a king and rule, but he came as a king and he died for us. But he will come back as a king and he will rule. In fact, listen to what Revelation 19 says. It says, on his robe at his thigh was written this title, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. He's not a king, he's the king. Of all kings, he is the Lord of all lords. So my question to you this Christmas season is, are you following this king? Are you following King Jesus? I'm reminded of a story in Luke chapter nine. In Luke chapter nine, Jesus talks about the cost of following him. And we know that all the disciples who followed him eventually were martyred, they died for him. And he's talking about there's a cost when you lay your life down for your king and you follow me as I rule your life and guide your life, it will cost you. And so a guy comes up and says, I'll follow you wherever you go. And Jesus says, that's great. Foxes have holes, birds have nests, but I don't even know where I'm sleeping tonight. I don't have a house that I stay in and the stuff and, and all this stuff. I, so you really, it's gonna be uncomfortable if you want to follow me. And then Jesus says, hey, you follow me. And he says, I'll follow you, but, but first let me go back home and bury my father. See, we gotta do the, 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 the ritual of burial. So I mean, it's very, you gotta, it's, you, know, you gotta make sure you please your family, so let me go back and do it. Jesus says, well, just let the dead bury the dead. You come follow me. And another guy says, I'll follow you. Yes, Lord, I will follow you, but first let me go say bye to my family. And then that passage, what's so fascinating is he says, Lord, but. Those two words can never go together. You can't say, Lord, King, but first, me. And Jesus is making that point. And folks, listen, we can read that in the text and we say, man, those guys should have followed Jesus, but we do the exact same thing. We say, Lord, you are the King, but, and then we put in our own stipulations. And my prayer is that this Christmas, we don't become like that, that we will actually follow the king and allow him to be that Lord, that king of our life. You know, I wonder if we would peel back the layer of our hearts and we would look at our hearts and see who is really sitting on the throne who would it be? And I'm not preaching at you, I'm preaching to all of us, including myself. Because a lot of times in our life, if we would open up that curtain, if we could see who really sits on the throne of our life, there would probably be a beautiful portrait of you. Because there's something within us that we want to be the king of our lives. I want to be the king of my life of everything that's in control that I have control of, I wanna be the king. Thank you, Jesus, for getting me out of hell. Thank you for saving me and forgiving me my sins, but I'm gonna be the king who rules and reigns my kingdom, my life, my emotions. And in fact, that is some of the evidence that you are trying to be the king in your life. One of the evidence that you are trying to be king is that you have worry, you have anxiety, because that's all 
rooted in control. I want to be the king to control the outcome of this. And if I can't control the outcome, then I'll worry. Or then I'm anxious. But I want to be the king. Like, God, I want to date who I want to date, how I want to date them. I don't need you to tell me that. Thank you for saving me, but I can rule my relationships. And the scriptures are, the scriptures are very clear that as a believer, we don't date or marry unbelievers. But I love them. Who's the king of your life? Where are you going to go to college? Whichever one gives me the most money. Is that where King Jesus wants you to go? Have you submitted your college plans to Jesus? Jesus, I'll go where you go, do what you ever do, do what you want me to do. Can I, I surrender to you? But we want to be in control. We want to plan our lives. Well, God, I want to marry who I want to marry and do whatever I want to do and run my marriage. I want want to be the king of my relationships. How's that working out for you? You, It is your choice who you marry. You better choose wisely. God gave you that freedom to pick. But who's sitting on the king of that relationship? Well, I got time invested. I know he's verbally abusive, and I know, you know, I know deep down inside loves me, but listen to me, I tell girls this all the time. If he would never change, would you still marry him? If he was gonna be like this for the rest of your entire marriage, and they'll say no. But then they'll say, but I have time invested, and I don't want to start over. Who's king? Do you want to be the king of your career? I'll do whatever I want to do. I'll work wherever I want to work. Take whatever job I want to take. And God does give his choices. But who's ruling that? Who's the king? Well, this job, you know, I got a promotion. Or this job pays more money, so surely this must be God's will. So I'm going to go that path because we think that it's best for us. And you've not even surrendered it to the king and asked him. You see what I'm saying? Lord, but, 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 but wait, 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 let me run. Let me run my kingdom. Our children, we come up here on Sundays and we dedicate our kids to the Lord and say, God, that our child is yours. We give them to you and bless them and protect them. And then God wants to use them. And then we say, no, but Lord, we want to hold on to them. I thought you dedicated them to me. They are, but, Lord, but, Lord, but. I wanna be the king of their life. No, you need to let them know that I am the king of their life. And probably the biggest one for most of us is really when it comes to our money. We wanna be the king. I'll spend it how I wanna spend it. I'll buy what I wanna buy. I'll do what I wanna do. I'll save what I wanna save. I'll spend what I wanna do. I wanna be the king of it. How's that working for you? Lord, but. And then your king comes to you and says, listen, the first 10% your tithe belongs to me. And you'll say, Lord, but, but I pay too much in taxes. Lord, but, but I, I don't have a lot of money. Lord, but, but I, I'm not on a budget. Lord, but, Lord, but, Lord, but I don't know if I'm putting food on the table. Lord, but you don't understand what happened. She walked out to me and I got half these medical bills. I, Lord, but, Lord, but, Lord, but. Who's king? Because the king says, if you'll put me first, I'll take care of your kingdom. But I don't trust you, God, I'll worry about it, so I wanna be the king. How is that working for you? 
It's, he's king or he's not. He's Lord or he's not. My future, my plans. And I listen, I've got a lot, I got ambitions, I got plans, I got things, I plan my future, I can see stuff, I want stuff, I desire stuff, other stuff like who's the king? Who's planning and ruling your life? God wants to give you the desires of your heart, but watch as we submit those desires to King Jesus. Is this who you want me to marry? Is this who you want me to date? Is this a college you want me to go to? Is this a job you want me to have? Is this a city you want me to go to? Is this a time you want me to build? Is this time you want me to start that business? Is this a time you want me to move? You want me to bless this family? You want me to give to this organization? You want me to help them out? You are the king. You just tell me. I'm nothing but a steward of you. I just manage what you've told me to do. So King Jesus, what do you have for me? See, that's what I'm afraid of. We run to Jesus as Savior, but we never crown him as king. And the wise men knew that I'm gonna come so far that I'm gonna bring the gift of gold to a king. So he's either king or he's not. The only recorded words we have from the wise men is where is the newborn we saw a star and it rose, and we've come to worship him. The only recorded words was, where's the king? They knew it. And my prayer is this Christmas season, whatever area of your life that he is not the Lord or king, you will crown him king. That you will trust him as king in this area of your life. I'm gonna close with this verse. Paul writes to young Timothy, he says this in verse, chapter six, verse 15. For at just the right time, Christ will be revealed from heaven and by, by the blessed and only almighty God. And here he is, watch this. He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Submit and surrender to your king. And he will make sure that your kingdom will be taken care of. I'm gonna ask you just to bow your heads. Two invitations. Here's the first one. Ashlyn, online, Moorhead. If you've never given your life to Jesus, I beg you, surrender and submit to the King. Humble yourself, fall on your face, repent of your sins, and give your life to the King. The king was born, the king died, the king got up out of the grave, and the king will return. Give your life to him. The Bible says if you will confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised you from the dead, you will be saved. Give your life to him. And you can sit right there and do that, but don't stay there. You need to tell somebody, you need to go to the next step area, and you need to let them know if you're watching online, put down in the chat. I gave my life to Jesus today. Just saying it, just saying it brings accountability and peace. And then for the rest of us, what in your life do you need to trust God with? What do you need to submit to Him? What do you need to surrender to Him? What do you need to repent of? It says, I've been trying to be the king of blank. And today I will surrender to you. 
listen to Jesus. Do whatever he tells you to do. Father, we thank you so much for your love and your grace that's mercy, that your mercy that's so new today to us. We thank you for your word, how relevant it is that even 2,000 years later, we're learning from gifts that were brought to you. God, you are the king. Whether we crown you or not, you are. And my prayer, Lord, is that our church will always surrender to your kingship and lordship. Whatever you say to do, we do. Wherever you say to go, we go. Wherever you tell us to give, we give. Father, we've said this over and over. We don't give to this church. We give through this church as we surrender it to you. Lead God, direct us, give us wisdom, discernment to be a blessing in our community, in our region, and in our world. Cannot wait to see what you're gonna do, King Jesus. And it's in your wonderful name that we ask this. And everybody said, come on, amen.